We've had the resignations of Sajid Javid and indeed of Rishi Sunak. We're told that Nadim Zahawi is nowhere to be found. He is favourite to be next on the list to resign. Those of you that watch this show will know that I've become increasingly disenchanted, angry with the direction of this government. It's all well and good getting elected on saying we're going to get Brexit done, but how you do it actually matters. And there's been so little follow through, so little follow through on Northern Ireland, on fisheries, on business regulation. They didn't even take the 5% off our heating bills. And in so many other areas, to think that we have a Conservative government that has opted at almost every opportunity for big state and high tax, bear in mind, we're about to see a 30% increase in corporation taxes. I had the feeling, too, they weren't even vaguely Conservative. In fact, heading towards a model of social democracy. But the biggest thing of all about this government, and the thing that's made people the angriest, and yes, I know there are people watching this right now, that, like Boris Johnson, think he's a good egg, think the media are out to get him. Some of you may well think the whole thing is a Remainer conspiracy with the civil service and mainstream media and some in his party conspiring against him. But the straw that really has broken the camel's back is the sheer dishonesty. Now, Johnson was described once by David Cameron as being like a greased piglet. You simply can't ever get hold of him because he slips out and gets away. But you can't go on living the entirety of your life on falsehoods. In the end, there has to be a day of reckoning. And I've got to tell you, that came for me this morning. I have never been angrier at a Conservative government than I was this morning watching TV, listening to the radio, reading the papers and seeing, yes again, a succession of cabinet ministers being sent out with number 10 briefings on what I guess we're going to call Pinchergate, saying things to media and doing it now for four days that are at best misleading, but at worst just outright and downright lies. And this morning we learnt that actually the Prime Minister had been briefed of specific allegations against Chris Pincher, but he'd forgotten. And it's the same with every major crisis. It's the cover-up that's almost worse than the story itself. And I think what's happened here is there's been one drip too many on the stone. Too many lies from this government. And I wondered this morning, will anybody... Will anybody in Cabinet make some sort of stand for decency? And I planned this programme tonight, and the debate I wanted to have was, will the Cabinet revolt? Will somebody in Cabinet stand up? Or are they all going to go down with the ship? Because what's clear to me is that up to a third of people who voted Conservative in 2019 now think the Prime Minister is an outright liar. And when you've lost that level of trust, you're simply not going to regain it. Now, something really highlighted to me this morning that maybe today was the day, if, if somebody had the guts, I think it must mark the beginning of the end. But if you are conservative-minded, if you are Brexit-minded, I don't think you should view the process that has unstoppably begun within the last hour. 
I don't think you should view this as being a disaster. I take the contrary view. I take the view that Boris Johnson was the right man for the moment in 2019. And indeed, it's why I made a difficult decision to stand aside for him in that election. We had to get Brexit over the line, even if it was an imperfect Brexit and not a great deal. And, you know, he had the pizzazz, the chutzpah, the humour to carry it off. And he was the right man for that moment in 2019. But Boris Johnson is a cheerleader, not a leader. He was never going to be suited to the responsibilities of high office. He's been found out. And frankly, and I've been saying this to you for some time, if they were to stick with Boris Johnson, they would head towards a 1997-style disaster at the next election. This is an opportunity for the Conservative Party to move on. It's an opportunity to say, Boris, even if these circumstances are awful, you did achieve a couple of great things, and you'll go down in the history books for doing it. But now is the time for the Conservative Party to stand up for honesty, decency and integrity. It's time for the Conservative Party to get back to a genuinely pro-business, pro-growth agenda. It's time for the Conservative Party to stop trying to be all things to all people and stand up for the basic principles in which it believes. I actually think out of all of this comes a remarkable opportunity for the Conservative Party to reset. And let's face it, Keir Starmer is hardly inspiring. I mean, this is not Tony Blair they're fighting. So I think if they can get the right leader, tackle head on those problems such as cost of living crisis, those problems such as our dependence on importing energy from other parts of the world that we could be producing here, have the guts and the courage to take on the cross-channel migrant crisis. And you know what? If it upsets the French, so blooming what? We can get a leader of the Conservative Party in place in the next few months to do those things, then all will not be lost. So I say, actually, this could well be a moment of real opportunity. Now, I'm saying all those things, assuming that Boris Johnson is going to go. He's very good at staying on. I'm joined by Sean Worth, former special advisor to David Cameron, long-time Conservative, someone who's studied the history of all these things. Sean, do you see a parallel, perhaps, with tonight and what happened in 1990 to Margaret Thatcher? I mean, one minute she was there as Prime Minister, a succession of Cabinet Ministers came in to see her, and she was gone. Yeah, actually, um, funnily, in Tiverton, the fallout of that and the resignation of the party chairman, which you've probably forgotten by now, but I thought that was a massive event, and I thought that was the beginning of the end. And I thought if there was any other issues, I think I came on your channel and said it, actually, and if there's any other issues, you'll see more resignations. I mean, funnily, we've, we've lost the chance of this evening, which is ma literally massive politically. But the big atom bomb I thought that went off was this morning. The media didn't quite get a huge amount of, of understanding around it. But a, a civil servant, guys that are paid mm. to stay quiet, keep in the dark, cover stuff up. Um, he came out of retirement Lord and Donald. said, yeah. Lord MacDonald, so for viewers, yeah. He came out of retirement and said, actually, the Prime Minister's lying. I remember that. And Chris Pincher was uh, caught out and the Prime Minister, the now Prime Minister was told. <coughs> I thought that was literally an atom bomb going off because that, that's unheard of. And um, you've seen the political events unfold today and now the political guys are leaving. So 
beginning of the end, I probably agree with that. Is Boris Johnson a liar? Uh, I, I've no idea. I mean, I, I, I think he's just so loose and, you know, he's just so bumbling. He just doesn't pay attention to the, to the detail of things and doesn't really care about them. I also think he doesn't have a particularly strong team around him, and that's an issue. If but this got... team, I mean, this is now the third reset. Yeah. You know, he keeps getting rid of the team and a new team come in. And some are saying this team's the worst that they've yet had. Mm. Well, he's got, yeah, I mean, to be honest, he's got the old vote leave team, which most of which have gone, the senior mm. sort of more competent people have gone. And then he's got a few people from City Hall that are coming in. I don't think he's got really anybody around him that has, you know, dealt with and experienced proper Westminster national politics. And with him, he's not a managerial or technocratic person. He's a sort of, you know, campaigning kind of mm. personality. Well, as I really. said, a cheerleader. Yeah, he's, he's a, a cheerleader. fantastic cheerleader. Yes, he is. Brilliant. And he spreads optimism <laughs> and a bit of joy <laughs> yeah. and a bit of humour. That's why we've got no policies because I'm a Conservative member. I'm, yes. I'm very, as you said earlier on, I'm a loyal and long-serving member of the Conservative Party and, and professionally I worked for the Tories for over 10 years. Done loads uh, on, on the voluntary side of the party. I'm just embarrassed because um, we've never had a leader with an 80-seat majority that's done so little, which I think is kind of what you were getting at in your piece yeah, of camera I mean, there. They, they, yeah, absolutely. But they do argue back against that, that they've had, that they've had the pandemic. Well, no, no. Look, first of all, he came in and he had to deal with the Brexit issue, which is fair enough. He didn't get the classic, what you call a honeymoon period, where you come in, you've got a clear run to just do what you want, right? And you normally get about 100, you call it the first 100 days, and you just do loads of stuff. And he didn't have that. He had the pandemic, but you had an 80-seat majority. What did you do on housing or, you know... Or anything. Pick really. anything, right? Yeah. And pick anything. What is their policy on this? I don't... I, as a former policy guy myself, I, you know, I'm a bit attuned to this stuff. I can't tell you what the Conservative Party's policy is on housing. We're in the middle of a housing crisis still. You know, and I could... You pick bit, social care, one. health, whatever you want to say. Yeah. I can't tell you what... What the policy is. And it, sorry, this, Stop. Th th this is why he can't get out of problems like this. He lurches from crisis to crisis. His team don't have any policy platform to come back to and say, that's going on, sorry about it, whatever. You know, here's what we're going to do, here's an announcement. And you know, there are no announcements with any substance to them. And this is a massive problem. I bet I'm the only show discussing this particular line at the moment, but I'm actually saying... I think there's opportunity in this for the Conservative Party. There's actually a chance to reset, to get back onto policy, to stop trying to please everybody, mm. to be much clearer, are we putting taxes up or down, rather than saying yeah. one thing and doing the other. You know, could this actually be a blessing if Boris Johnson goes? Oh, if, yes. I mean, it, look, I'm a businessman now, and I'm now paying, as you said, a 30% more than I was when I was yeah. working in government. I, you know, I can't believe it. Um, there's... A huge array of things that a new leader could come in and do on, on business tax in particular, on enterprise, on housing. I think housing is a massive issue. Sorry to go on about it again. Mm. Social care. There's a ton of things that need to be dealt with and, and things that are conser you know, from a conservative platform you could really deliver and, and drive a wedge between you and the Labour Party because that's what you really need to do politically. Um, but the issue is, is would anybody come out and be brave enough to take a stand and get people to rally around them? Because you, remember, you can't force Johnson out through the classic uh, Conservative Party um, mechanisms, they either have to be changed or there needs to be enough pressure on a, him that he resigns. There is a 1922 committee vote this week, isn't there, mm. to change the constitution of that committee that happens tomorrow, mm. and that could bring us closer to another leadership challenge, but that wouldn't be until well, the, the, after the party conference, probably. Yeah, the biggest... Uh, thing for that is, is possibly in six months so they're, they're short on the, the term 
currently for viewers, he, he, you know, he can't be touched for another year. They're suggesting that they might change it to six months, but you've still got six months of somebody that is continuing to toxify the Tory brand. So, you know, the, I think the contention is from people that would like to see him gone in, in Parliament, that the longer he stays, the more he toxifies the brand, yes. which is a much yes. bigger issue than, than his personal failings. Yes. Yeah. And I think that actually is, is beginning to resonate and beginning to hit home. And as I said earlier on, a third of Conservative voters are calling him a liar. That's a very mm. serious place mm. to be. Sean Worth, thank you for your thoughts on this pretty momentous evening. Now, let's be joined now down the line by David Maddox. He is editor of the Daily Express Online, formerly political editor of the Sunday Express. And, of course, the Express and the Sunday Express have been very, very yeah. loyal supporters of yeah, Boris Johnson yeah. all the way through. Well, quick links has gone down. We've lost David Maddox. That is a real bore. Sean hasn't run away yet. <laughs> Sean, do you want to see Boris go as a Conservative member? Uh, personally, I, I didn't uh, at Tiverton, but I think today I do. Yeah, I mean, I, as I said, I think the biggest issue is that we don't have an, uh, an alternative leader being put themselves forward. But if you think about the two people that have resigned tonight, mm. Rishi Sunak and Sajid Javid, both of whom have gone for the Conservative leadership, both have a bit of a caucus of people around them that would like to see them uh, take the take the flag and, and go forward with it, I guess. Um, I think the the best chance of those two would be Sajid Javid, because Rishi also, as you say, you know, he's done some he's, yeah. he's done some economic or things. Or could it be an outsider? Years ago, there was a woman. Mm. She'd been in Cabinet briefly, but she wasn't very well known at all. <laughs> and a man called Airy Neve, one of the four men who'd escaped from Colditz and got a home run during the yeah, war, yeah. was going <laughs> around saying, would you please sign this so we can have a contest against Ted Heath? And it all looked utterly farcical and ridiculous. And from nowhere, she won. Mm. Is it possible mm. in the modern Conservative Party that an outsider could make it? Oh, definitely. I mean, Penny, Penny Mordaunt is, is possibly that, that kind of character. Um, I mean, there's, there's, a, there's actually a string of people. The other alternative is a, is a sort of caretaker type leader that, because you remember, all the Conservative Party is facing is Keir Starmer, who is not really setting the world alight. No. Uh, and that's, that's unfortunately the big issue for the Labour Party. They, they don't look like they're going to form an alternative government. So they're there to be beaten. I mean, Michael Gove could be a, a caretaker um, Prime Minister. Would anyone trust like Michael a, Gove? A bit like a John Major. Person. Well, I, I think they may. I mean, yeah, he's certainly kind of been rehabilitated. He's done a couple of cabinet positions now. Um, he's got a big caucus of support, actually, funnily, in, in Parliament. I know that for definite. Mm. Um, he could be somebody that people turn to as a sort of more serious alternative to Johnson. You've got figures like Jeremy Hunt, who are the antithesis of Johnson, but of course for the membership, he was a Remain supporter, so I don't think he'll get yeah, through. That's, that's not going to happen. So, is it? Yeah. yeah, you yeah. probably need a, a Jeremy Hunt like figure, but somebody who supported Brexit and somebody who will take the party forward on that platform. And, you know, you never know. I mean, anyone could come through. Nadim Zahawi is another one that people are talking about. But he, I, I think he's tainting himself a lot by coming up to bat for Johnson, so you know, yeah, that's part of the problem, isn't it? If you, yeah. you get covered in muck, you know, yeah. you do this, yeah. that's it's the a thing. mess, yeah. Sure, yeah. thank you. Right, I believe we have now got David Maddox, political editor of The Express Online. David, good evening. Uh, you, your newspaper, both in print, good evening, David. Your newspaper in print and online, you have been very, very loyal 
supporters of Boris Johnson through thick and thin, through many of the crises. How do you feel about the events this evening? Well, um, I, I have to say, I, I, I heard what you said earlier about this being the beginning of the end. I kind of feel like it's the end, actually, whether he realises it or not. He's lost his chancellor. He's lost his health secretary. These are two of the big five jobs. You know, this is an absolute catastrophe. 41% of his MPs want him out. You said it. A third of Conservative voters think he's a liar. I, I was in, um, when I was in Parliament earlier, I was speaking to two Red Wall MPs, absolute loyalists, absolute uh, bit, uh, rock solid supporters of his, one of whom had just said he'd basically gone on strike. He was refusing to go and defend the Prime Minister anymore on television. Uh, he's he's got to go. Uh, both of them said he's got to go, but had enough. And this, uh, this Pincher business, uh, Chris Pincher business, had been the final straw, although, uh, frankly, anything could have been the final straw in the end. Yeah, and, and David, let me ask you, um, has he lost the support of Express newspapers? What, what are we going to read on your front pages and on your website tomorrow morning? Well, uh, I think there's going to be a great deal of regret. Um, we're having this conversation at the moment. You know, this is a man who got us through a pandemic. It's a man who got Brexit done. A man who currently is having a very good war in terms of Ukraine. You know, uh, he's, he has got some things uh, right. But the trouble is, is the chaos around him and uh, the inability uh, to, you know, really hold the party together. And, you know, the, the, the kind of charisma and cut through he had seems to have disappeared and i don't think it's just party gate uh, in fact i was um I was, I was interested in what you were saying about this being an opportunity for the conservatives i, I completely agree with you actually it's not necessarily an editorial line but i completely agree with you and i would say that any um would-be leader of the conservative party should just go on the simple phrase let's make the conservative party conservative again and start talking about tax cuts and uh, other uh, things that i think are not net zero and uh, and generally woke policies. Absolutely. That's, that's the opportunity that I see this evening. Uh, but it is this drip on the stone, I think. It is this accusation of old belief of lies. Indeed, Sajid Javid says in his letter, the British people also rightly expect integrity from their government. And David, just stay there. I've just been handed a statement from Lord Frost. So let's have a listen to this. Rishi Sunak and Sajid Javid have done the right thing this evening. It gives me no pleasure to say it, and I'd hoped that events might have taken a different course. But I'm afraid the developments of the last week show there is no chance of the Prime Minister either putting in place the necessary change of approach to running a government or establishing a new policy direction. Boris Johnson has huge achievements to his credit. He has a place in history for delivering Brexit and much more. But it is now time to look forward. Accordingly, and with sadness, I believe the interests of the country, our newfound self-government and the Conservative Party would best be served by new leadership and a new Prime Minister. I, have, I will have more to say in my Telegraph column tomorrow. So that is, that is the man that was the chief Brexit negotiator for Boris Johnson through that tortuous process, now saying it's time for him to go. Now, what does this all mean? 
for the Labour Party? Is it good news for the Labour Party? Or is it bad news for the Labour Party? Would it, would it suit the Labour Party with Boris Johnson to stay on as leader right up to and into the next general election? Keir Starmer, who was interviewed not long ago, said the government is collapsing. I wonder what Steve McCabe, Labour MP for Birmingham, Sally Oak, makes of tonight's developments. Good evening, Steve. Good evening. Well, so I mean, is this good is, news? Well, it depends how much of an opportunist you are, Nigel. I think it, it's good news from the point of view that it's certainly the beginning of the end. And I personally think they'll have to drag them kicking and screaming out of number 10. So I think it will be quite a protracted process. Tory party are traditionally very good at getting rid of uh, leaders who've outlived their usefulness. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there. Uh, my, my own, my personal view is that uh, he will cling on for grim death. All we've witnessed is uh, a couple of people deserting a sinking ship and trying to look after their own futures at the moment. For Labour, well, I mean, obviously uh, the possibility that uh, they could, the Tories could change leader and pull the old new government trick again is a threat. I, I'd be the first to admit that. So it's possibly healthier to have to be up against the the opponent who is mired in his own muck. But uh, yeah. um, I think actually there's been so much damage done to the Tory party and it might not make a difference. I, I suspect that uh, Rishi Sunak and Sajid Yavid probably know there's more to come and they're trying to distance themselves as much as possible from what's down the line. Yeah, interesting. And just another thought, if I may, uh, from you. Um, you know, Keir Starmer is solid and steady, but is he, is he inspiring enough to win outright a general election? Well, I suppose it depends what you're up against, doesn't it? <laughs> I mean, if you're up against someone who two-thirds of the country don't believe and don't trust don't want for me no matter who you are. Personally, I think the, the contrast for Keir now is someone who's straight, who's upfront, maybe not the most exciting figure in the world, but I think we've had enough excitement. I think we like a bit of solid, honest, well, reliable politics. <laughs> well, maybe the Conservative Party will reach that conclusion too, Steve McCabe. Thank you for joining me here on GB News. Sound quality not great, but thank you for joining me. Well, let's go to our economics editor, Liam Halligan, who's in the Paddington studio. Um, Liam, I can imagine there are a lot of people out there who voted for Boris, full of optimism, um, and perhaps don't like to see, just as Thatcher supporters in 1990 didn't like to see the knives going in the back. That's exactly right. I think a lot of GB News viewers and listeners will be seriously angry tonight at a Chancellor resigning in the middle of a cost of living crisis, at a Health Secretary resigning when those NHS waiting lists are at record highs. Also, you know, the political and media class will cite opinion polls. If the opinion polls were always right, Nigel, then John Major wouldn't have won the 1992 general election. It would have been Neil Kinnock. And we'd still be in the European Union, wouldn't we? A subject close to your heart. So I do think among a lot of the silent majority, maybe not quite a majority, but an awful lot of the electorate out there, not just natural conservatives, but a lot of those red wall voters 
They will feel that this is a constant drip, drip series of allegations, rumours, innuendo and nuance against the Prime Minister. They'll feel that there's a lot of people who are Remainers who are still in the House of Commons across the civil service, across our broadcast and print media, who just wanted to get rid of Boris Johnson, the Prime Minister. And as a political media class, Nigel, of which you and I, of course, are signed up members, though we like to see ourselves to some degree as outsiders, but as a political media class, we will be lampooned by much of the country if at a time like this, when we've got industrial action, when we've got inflation at a 40-year gut high and going higher, when we've got that cost of living crisis, when sterling has just fallen below $1.19, we can talk about that. If we then go into full-blooded general election campaigning mode, as Brenda in Bristol said, what, another one? Well, I take the point, and I don't think that a general election would be welcome at all, and I suspect, Liam, if there was one, in short order, we might get the lowest turnout in modern history. So I certainly take that point. But whilst I fully understand that there are GB News viewers and listeners and Conservative voters out there that feel Boris is being treated badly and it could be a Remainer plot, we also, Liam, must remember that about a third of that 2019 vote think he's a liar. They've lost complete trust and faith in him. And with that, the Conservative brand is being damaged. And I, I think part of the reason those by-election results were so devastating is there's now an anti-Boris Johnson vote that coalesced, uh, you know, used tactical voting in a very, very effective way. You and I have talked, you know, on this show about the fact that he's putting corporation tax up by 30%. He hasn't lifted a finger to help any of the five and a half million small businesses. You yourself led a campaign here on GB News to honour the promise and remove the 5% VAT rate on fuel bills. And I just wonder, is this not perhaps an opportunity for the Conservative Party to pick a leader who understands economics, to pick a leader who doesn't want to be all things to all people, and to pick a leader who goes for self-sufficiency in energy and growth in the economy. Could this be a blessing in disguise for Conservative supporters in the longer run? It could be. I think you're exactly right. It could be. But at a time when a lot of the country are concerned, even more the concerned, fearful about their economic security, about their futures. And I'm talking not just about you know vulnerable families on low incomes. I'm talking about people into the lower middle classes and higher up the income scale who are seeing their lifestyles threatened. They are concerned that the Tory party have made a hash of it. It may be that this is a kind of unfrozen moment, an inflection point, if you like, and that a Tory leader could come forward who, like Margaret Thatcher, as you so rightly said, in the mid-70s, emerged from the shadows to knock out Ted Heath, another Conservative who was seen by many of the party faithful as not really a Conservative. You're going to need a leader to come forward who is, I think, interested in low taxation, who is interested in enterprise, who is interested in helping those small and medium-sized enterprises that you champion, Nigel, and I champion, Nigel, on our respective GB News shows. They are the engine room of the British economy. They employ two-thirds of people. They account for the bulk of our growth and of our national income. But, you know, here we are at a point 
where financial markets are now taking umbrage. You and I watch Sterling closely. Why? Not just because we're interested in in financial markets, because we know in our bones implicitly, because of our financial knowledge and our business experience, that when the pound gets weak, the UK imports an awful lot of things, and we import a lot of fuel, and fuel's priced in dollars. So when the pound gets weak against the dollar, that feeds directly into inflation through imported goods and particularly imported fuel. Well, hold on to your hat, Nigel, because the pound's just dipped below $1.19, and anybody remotely interested in currency markets will know that that is a big threshold. The pound's only been consistently below $1.20 against the US currency in the... At no time since the mid 80s, you go have to go back to the 1980s. And it strikes me that given political crisis here in the UK, given our reliance on imported energy, given the sense of drift now that we haven't seen since I was a lad in the mid 1970s, I think financial markets, currency markets in particular, will now test the resolve of the British government of the Bank of England and start taking a long, hard look at the pound. We could see the pound start to really suffer tomorrow unless this political crisis is nipped in the bud pretty quickly. And I don't wish to be mercenary about it. I don't wish to cause alarm. I am an economic analyst who knows a lot about politics. And I'm saying, and I think you'll agree, that if the financial markets really start to force the issue, it doesn't matter what anyone says, there'll have to be a change of government. Yeah, I mean, I think this process, uh, and, and I do think it's the, I do think it is the end of Boris Johnson, uh, but it might take, it might take a considerable period of time uh, for this process to play out and for him to be replaced. So yeah, I think financial markets will have a tough time. But Liam, we're looking for someone, we're looking for somebody within the Conservative movement, within the Conservative party in this country, who can turn this around. I've mentioned energy in our conversations tonight. You've mentioned energy in our conversations tonight. Just think what becoming self-sufficient in energy would mean for the British economy, for balance of trade, for uh, security, for tens of thousands of well-paid jobs, tax revenues. Are any of them, and you know many of these players, are any of them in this cabinet capable of making those bold decisions in your opinion? Well, in the middle of last week, I had dinner with Penny Morden. Uh, it was meant to be a sort of lobby terms dinner, which means you don't talk about it. But she tweeted that we'd had dinner together. So I guess I can reveal <laughs> that I did talk to her. I, you know, She is interested in low taxation. She is interested in tackling the green agenda. I saw David Davis at the weekend, drove across London with him, talking to him about politics. It's what we do as frontline journalists. There's a sense that he could become an interim prime minister, a kind of grey beard, he won't mind me describing him like that, a safe pair of hands during this interim. What I would say is that the timing of this move by Chancellor Rishi Sunak, X, by Health Secretary Sajid Javid, X, it was timed for maximum impact as the news bulletins were going to air on the Tea Time News on Tuesday before Prime Minister's questions on Wednesday when there's still a period of time before Parliament rises for recess on the 21st of July. So it may be that the political players want to move quickly if they've got the guts. No one seems to be emerging. We haven't heard support or otherwise from Liz Truss the last time I looked at my phone 
just before I started talking to you. We haven't seen or heard support for the Prime Minister from Nadim Sahawe, the Education Secretary. So it may be that the runners and riders are about to pounce, but it will take courage. No, it would just to bring us up to speed on that, Liz Truss has said she supports the Prime Minister. Nadine Dorries has said, I'm not sure anyone actually doubted this. However, I am 100% behind <laughs> Boris Johnson, the, P- the PM who consistently gets all the big decisions right. Although, looking at her face in that cabinet, minister, in that cabinet meeting this morning, she looked pretty blooming miserable. And, and Liam, I'm told that Nadim Zahawi um, is effectively out of contact, out of comms with virtually everybody, so maybe he's next. Isn't the truth of it, Liam, there was nobody in that cabinet that really has the courage and fortitude of someone like a Thatcher to take on a tough economic decision and to turn things around? Discuss this in the newsroom, and it's great when our newsroom's discussions make it to air and we can air our thoughts more broadly. I don't think anyone's got the guts to take on the Conservative leadership now and become Prime Minister. They want Boris Johnson to act as a human sponge, absorbing all this bad news, absorbing the industrial action we're going to see over the summer, absorbing the fact that the pound's going to get weaker and that's going to make inflation worse, absorbing the fact that we now may soon have, it brings me no pleasure to say this at all, the combination of high inflation and an economic recession. Who would want the job now? No, you'd want Boris, knowing that he won't resign because he's too determined to stay in office to resign. Some people would say he lacks the self-awareness to resign. If he can act as that kind of human punch bag, absorbing that bad news, then a new leader can come in when those green shoots of recovery are coming through, the sunlit uplands of high growth once again, taking the premiership, before a general election, probably in 2014. So timing is everything in politics. And for a lot of the runners and riders, they're talking to people like me and you in the shadows. They're not breaking cover. But for a lot of the runners and riders, Nigel, the timing is still not right. And that's one reason, one reason only why Boris Johnson could cling on for a while yet. Interesting, Liam. Thank you very much indeed for that analysis. And Liam may be right there. And I'm just hoping somebody emerges. Somebody emerges over the next week or so with a radically different agenda. And I I just think it could be somebody now outside the cabinet. We'll have to see. Funny, isn't it, really, that the Chancellor and the Prime Minister co-authored a piece in The Sun on Sunday together. Big picture of the two of them smiling together, you know, how unified we are and our desire for low tax Britain as they put taxes up. Funny, isn't it? Loyalty can break very quickly in politics. Now, let us go. Let us go over to College Green. Let us be joined by the Member of Parliament for North West Leicestershire and a man who has been leading the charge to get rid of Boris Johnson. Is he going to be seen as somebody who is perhaps a saviour of the Conservative Party or somebody who's deeply disloyal? Um, Let's go to Andrew Bridgen. I think it is the beginning of the end. um, And as it says in Macbeth, tis to be done, tis best done quickly. Um, I would urge other cabinet ministers and ministers to uh, show some courage, uh, integrity and leadership and let the Prime Minister know that they no longer have confidence in him. Let's get this done. Let's get a, 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 
leadership uh, election underway for the summer recess and we can have a, a new leader of the Conservative Party, new Prime Minister in position for party conference in October. Andrew, there are some uh, out there, uh, many who watch and listen to this channel and I've no doubt some in your own constituency uh, back in Leicestershire who would compare you to those that politically assassinated Margaret Thatcher in 1990, which many then saw as a supreme act of disloyalty. How do you answer the charge that you're being disloyal to the leader who got you an 80-seat majority? Well, I can assure you that Boris Johnson is, is no, uh, no Margaret Thatcher. Uh, loyalty has to run in both directions, Nigel, from the bottom to the top and from the top to the bottom. My loyalty is to the country first of all, my constituents in North West Leicestershire and the Conservative Party. And the Conservative and all of those things are more important to me than Boris, <clears throat> than Boris Johnson. Um, I think he's, he's let the party down, he's let himself down, he's let the country down. And I wrote in January that he was, if he wasn't removed, he was an existential threat to the Conservative Party. And I think six months later, I think that's been proven absolutely right. At last, the cabinet are starting to move. They've come to the same conclusion that I came to months ago and lots of colleagues in the Conservative Party on the back benches have come to over the last few weeks. And the debacle over this handling of the appointment and then the removal of Chris Pincher has, has really been the icing on the cake. And it's reinforced all the fears about Boris Johnson's leadership, all the questions about the people around him at number 10. Um, and it's just not tenable. The country deserves better than this, Nigel. Parliament deserves better than this. And the Conservative Party deserves better than this. And, and we've got better people out there. Well, OK, final thought then, Andrew Bridgen. Uh, you know, we know the potential list of runners and riders who've been serving in Boris Johnson's cabinet. Do you think it's possible <laughs> that a figure from the backbenches could emerge through all of this? My message to those who remain in this government, uh, on the payroll, the cabinet and the ministers, is that the next leader of the Conservative Party will have to show um, courage, integrity and leadership. And staying loyal to Boris Johnson at this time is not showing any of those qualities. And the Parliamentary Party and the membership will not forget when it comes to the leadership elections. Thank you very much indeed for joining us tonight here on GB News. Thank you. Well, Andrew Bridgen, folks, has been pretty clear in his view on all of this, going right back to the beginning of this year. Uh, and he felt, he, you know, he felt all the way through that Boris Johnson had become a liability, despite having been a big supporter of his back in 19. So we had moments ago, I read you the statement from Lord Frost. There's another missive come in. Dear Prime Minister, I write to resign my post as the Prime Minister's trade envoy to Morocco with immediate effect. The last straw in the rolling chaos of the past six months has been the unavoidable implication of Lord Macdonald's letter to the Parliamentary Commissioner for Standards this morning. That was the point we discussed with Sean Worth earlier. Others must square as best they can their continuing enjoyment of your patronage, gosh, that's sarcastic, with their personal sense of decency, honour and integrity, but I no longer can. We entered the Commons together in June 2001. I backed your leadership bid in 2016 and, with reservations based on your time at the Foreign Office that we discussed at the time, in 2019. As a habitual and instinctive loyalist, I have strived 
to be publicly supportive since. In February, reflecting on your achievements, I wrote a supportive op-ed for The Guardian in which I said, if you were obliged to leave office, you would do so with your head held high. I would no longer write in those terms. Your position has become unrecoverable. I strongly urge you to resign. The Right Honourable Dr Andrew Morrison, who's resigned as a trade envoy and has been a great supporter and loyalist to Boris Johnson. And he joins us now. Andrew, good evening. Good evening. As somebody who's supported Boris Johnson, uh, known him, been in the Commons with him for 20 years, how difficult a personal decision was this for you to come to? Well, it's very difficult. Um, I've regarded Boris as a, as a friend. I certainly supported him uh, um, throughout, really. Uh, and this is extremely difficult. But I think over the past six months, it has become increasingly challenging uh, to support Boris as leader of the Conservative Party and Prime Minister. And I think it was Lord Macdonald's letter uh, this morning uh, that really um, capped it for me. And uh, I'd simply fear for the future if we go from one crisis like this to another and particularly when we get hard up to a general election. Uh, so for the future prospects of my colleagues, my party and more important, importantly the country, I think it is important, as I said in my letter, uh, that Boris goes now and we can have a contest for a new leader of the Conservative Party and therefore Prime Minister. Yeah, I did enjoy the part of your letter where you talked about the enjoyment of your patronage. I thought that was a, a, quite a cutting remark, Andrew, that you made there. I mean, and I, I say that because, I say that because when we had the confidence vote a few weeks ago, and of course we don't know because it is a secret ballot, but a lot of members of the party, parliamentary party, are on the payroll. Can I ask you, were you one of the 148 MPs that voted no confidence in Johnson a few weeks ago? Well, look, up to this point, I've uh, refrained from making my position public, though those who know me will probably deduce uh, that I have not had confidence in the Prime Minister for some time. So, yes, I can tell you uh, that mine was one of the letters submitted uh, that led to the vote of no confidence, and I certainly voted against Boris Johnson in the vote when it came. Is it your reading, and you've, you know, you've been there, you've been there for 20 years on those Conservative benches, is it your reading of the situation, that if that ballot was to be happening again tonight or tomorrow, that the number would be much higher yeah. than 148 or pretty much the same? No, there's no question in my mind that the number would be considerably higher. And particularly given Lord Macdonald's letter, which I think has focused the minds of a lot of colleagues who had remained loyal uh, at the vote of no confidence, and particularly uh, the high-profile resignations that we have seen, uh, it seems to me uh, the position for the Prime Minister now is irrecoverable, and I would strongly urge him to go now. And the obvious question that everyone's going to be asking, and has been asking, is who does the party... Who are they going to choose? I mean, it was fairly obvious in 2019 that Boris Johnson would get chosen. You know, we'd been through the Theresa May period, the devastating result in the European elections. It was obvious that Boris was the man for the moment. 
right now, the political and economic circumstances are very, very much tougher, even than they were back in the politically difficult days of 2019. Does it need to be a lever? Does the next leader of the party need to be a lever? Or can the party put that thought behind it? Well, we're all Brexiteers now, aren't we? Uh, it seems even Keir Starmer uh, is a Brexiteer. So uh, I'm not quite sure uh, that it is uh, as crucial as it was in 2019. Look, I supported Boris in 2019 because, as you all well know, Brexit was dragging this country down and its politics with it like a sheet anchor. Uh, and I do not regret that choice at that time. Uh, but, you know, we're beyond that now, are we not? And we need to choose somebody who's going to take us forward. I'm pretty convinced that's not Boris. Johnson and we need to look for somebody uh, who is capable of inspiring the country, resetting the Conservative Party and taking us to victory in two years time. Any thoughts who that might be? I'm not going to be drawn on that uh, today but the thing uh, that has impressed me is the extraordinary amount of talent uh, in the party both in the cabinet on the in the ministerial ranks and on the backbenches and I'm very sure that when we get a contest for leadership of the Conservative Party uh, all that talent will be displayed. Andrew Morrison thank you very much indeed for joining us on College Green this evening thank you. Now Priti Patel has told GB News that the Prime Minister has her support. So Priti Patel not joining the people that are leaving, Priti Patel sticking with Boris Johnson as indeed Liz Truss is, as indeed uh, we understand and we'll find out later just how many other cabinet, men cabinet members want to go on supporting the Prime Minister. But I have a funny feeling that with Prime Minister's questions at midday tomorrow, there's quite a lot could happen overnight and into early tomorrow morning. As I say, it's difficult to assess, given that 148 MPs voted against Johnson in the motion of confidence, difficult to assess what that number would be now. Uh, but Andrew Morrison, who did admit he was one of the 148, he hadn't just changed his mind over the course of the last couple of days, is confident that number would be a lot higher. So it is a kind of a, a complete drama that is playing out within the Conservative Party, in Westminster, in media circles. Some at home will be very, very bored by all this, see it as detached, see it as remote. But I think actually it's really very, very important indeed. Uh, I think we need a government that restores trust and faith uh, the British people are losing that. They've lost that in Boris Johnson. A third, I'm going to say it again, because it matters to those of you who think the party that Bridgin and, his co and, and, and those colleagues are being disloyal, a third of those people who voted Conservative in 2019 now use words like liar about the Prime Minister. And when trust breaks down to that extent, to that level, it is going to be very very difficult to win much of it back. So, you know, he is this extraordinary figure. He is an historic figure in a sense that he came in. We did leave the European Union. I think it was important for everybody that Corbynism was defeated. Uh, I'm sure Sir Keir Starmer uh, would agree quite wholeheartedly with that sentiment too. So he has done some big things in, in, as Prime Minister. Indeed, probably we could argue as London Mayor. But he certainly isn't the right man for now. And I, I have to say, I think, I think they're all heading for complete disaster.
Now, down there on College Green is GB News's political editor, Darren McCaffrey. Darren, you've been having a pretty busy day. Um, how many more are going to break tonight one way or the other? Really interesting, isn't it? Uh, there are still, I think, some cabinet ministers, not many, though, that we've not heard from about what they may well do. Clearly, the quieter they are in the immediate aftermath of this, uh, that will only lead to speculation that they may well, too, be thinking of it. But some and many big names are remaining. Uh, Nigel, people like uh, Priti Patel, the Home Secretary, Liz Truss, the Foreign Secretary, Ben Wallace, the Defence Secretary, Northern Ireland Secretary, ben, uh, Brandon Lewis, Michael Gove as well is going to stay. Much speculation that he could be the new Chancellor. It's looking likely to Downing Street, frantically, frankly, trying to fill that position uh, tonight, uh, particularly ahead of the, the markets opening uh, tomorrow. But be in no doubt, this is a pretty dire situation for the Prime Minister. At the moment, he has not got a Chancellor, he's not got a Health Secretary, he's not got a party chairman. And there have been more resignations at slightly junior ministerial ranks as well, with suggestions of more to come. His premiership is in the balance. There is no doubt about that tonight. There are even suggestions that a couple of more cabinet ministers could could knock him over the edge. If not, again, continued rumours and suggestions that he could face another leadership challenge, that the rules could be changed and that he could be challenged again. Let's bring in Paul Bristow. He is the Conservative MP for Peterborough and joins me live outside Parliament this evening. Uh, Paul, thank you very much indeed for joining us. First of all, your reaction to particularly the Chancellor's and the Health Secretary's resignations. Well, it's been a very difficult day. No one's going to suggest uh, anything Otherwise, but I sincerely hope that the Prime Minister appoints a new Chancellor and a new Secretary of State for Health and we get on with those challenges because in health and in, in, and in the economy we do have challenges. We've got to tackle that cost of living uh, crisis, a global cost of living crisis. We've also got to reduce those COVID waiting lists. So we need top people in those positions and I'm confident uh, by in the next coming days we'll have two excellent Cabinet uh, positions and colleagues in those uh, positions and we'll tackle those real main issues that we need to challenge. In saying that, the questions of Boris Johnson's leadership are not going to go away with those two appointments. There's a lot of your colleagues, maybe even a majority now, who don't support his leadership. In the end, if you want political stability, frankly, it's not going to come with this Prime Minister, is it? Well, I wouldn't say it was a majority. Let's just wait and see what happens. But there are going to be colleagues who have never reconciled their, their, themselves to Boris being Prime Minister or Brexit. Lots of people are making their own choices about uh, what to do right now. But I want to focus on the choices the country has. That's on growing the economy, dealing with the cost of living crisis. That's dealing with the COVID backlog, making sure we get on top of that. And that's making sure we've got more police on our streets. I represent Peterborough, a working city. And I can assure you, that's what people want us to do. They want us to get on the front foot and tackle those issues and not descend into infighting like this. But, but isn't the problem that, frankly, a lot of people just believe that the Prime Minister is a liar. He doesn't tell the truth. They felt that about Partygate. They felt that about what's happened with Chris Pincher this weekend. Prime says he's not going to change. In those circumstances, people will think he'll just carry on lying. In Peterborough, the Prime Minister won uh, me my seat. I confidently uh, believe that. He also won two and a half years ago an 80-seat majority. This is a man who's never lost 
an election. And he deserves the chance to go to the British people and put his track record on the line against whoever leads the Labour Party. Because we don't, we don't even know if Keir Starmer is going to be leading the Labour Party if he gets a fine over Beergate. So we don't know that yet either. But I think the Prime Minister is the best man to lead this country. He's the best man to deal with the challenges like the global cost of living crisis, like our NHS uh, COVID backlog, uh, and getting more police on the streets and doing the things that people in my seat in Peterborough really care about. Do you think, though, in the end, frankly, he'd forgotten about this? I mean, it does seem quite extraordinary. You know, if you were told a colleague had had a complaint upheld against him of sexual misconduct, if you'd made jokes about it subsequently years later, we all know, we all work in Westminster, we all know the rumours about Chris Pincher. I mean, do you honestly think he had forgotten about it? Look, all I'll say is I've worked in politics uh, and been around politics uh, for some time. I'm not going to comment on the rumour and speculation that goes around all the time, quite frankly. We all remember the rumours and speculation that went on around uh, the, the Member of Parliament who was watching um, things he shouldn't have been watching in, in Parliament. All those proved to be completely inaccurate. On the case of the former Deputy Chief Whip, of course what he did is completely unacceptable and it's right now that he's gone. But what people are telling me on the doorstep day in, day out, is that I want us to focus on those key issues, focus on growing the economy, dealing with the global cost of living crisis, focusing on those NHS uh, COVID backlogs and getting more police on the streets. Indeed, but at the same time, he's had to apologise over the Owen Patterson affair. He's had to apologise over Partygate. He's not apologised over Chris Pincher. He says he's not going to change. How do you know that for the next two years, he's not going to carry, have to carry on apologising for mistakes he may well have made or he may make in the future. Look, Boris Johnson, uh, being Boris Johnson, broke the, COVID, uh, broke the Brexit deadlock, got jabs in people's arms and got us out of the COVID lockdowns. He's leading the free world when it comes to the crisis in Ukraine. This is a man who's done some extraordinary things and I think he deserves the opportunity to deal with these domestic challenges that we have. As I say, growing the economy, dealing with those NHS backlogs uh, and getting more police on our streets. And I'm confident that come the next general election, that will be a record, a track record to be proud of and he'll carry on and be Prime Minister. And just very funny, what would you say to your colleagues uh, tonight, you know, as I say, we don't know the numbers, but 40% of them voted against him, more than 40% just a month ago. I, you know, I would put forward that number's probably somewhat growing. What would you say to them who they want to change the rules and they want to force another leadership challenge? Look, I'm not stupid enough to turn around and say to you that losing a Chancellor and losing the Secretary of State for Health it, it is not a bad thing. Of course it is. Of course it is. But we've got a challenge ahead of us. He won that leadership contest or that confidence vote um, only a few weeks ago. The rules are quite clear. He's got a year now uh, until we can have a, a further election. And that's what I would urge colleagues to do. Let the Prime Minister govern. Let, let us deal with those uh, domestic challenges and let's get back on the front foot. Okay. Paul Bristol, thank you so much indeed uh, for joining us live outside Parliament uh, this evening. Thank you very much indeed uh, for your time. Uh, so, you know, Boris Johnson clearly still has uh, many ardent supporters within the party and indeed within uh, Cabinet. Nadine Doris, the Culture Secretary, tweeting in the last hour or so, saying, unsurprisingly, uh, she is giving Boris 100% of her support. She's been inside Number 10 tonight with the Chief Whip, uh, clearly trying to work out how to deal, frankly, with this political mess. To the degree that they're having to deal with 
the resignations of very, very senior uh, cabinet ministers. The question is, of course, tonight, will others follow? Could we see more junior ministerial positions uh, tonight? That's going to be a very, very uh, difficult thing indeed. And what will the Prime Minister have to say? He's got a very difficult day tomorrow. He's going to face Prime Minister's question time. Uh, at 12 o'clock and then at 3 o'clock he's in front of the liaison committee in front of the chairs of those big select committees. It's going to be a very, very difficult political day indeed. Very interesting day indeed.